Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. And now, Financial Renaissance with the M's. Happy Sunday to you. Thank you for joining me on this wonderful morning. Can you believe we are almost through the month of January already? I am, I feel like time, I don't know if it's when you get older, time just seems to like sand just kind of flows through your hands like you can't quite hold it. Um, but yes, this year is starting to, starting off with a bang and I'm very excited. Um, wanted to, to, on today's show, we're going to be doing something special. Um, we do have an, an elder care manager, someone who is going to talk to us about the ways that we can help care for our older population, our older loved ones, because whether we want to or not, no matter, you know, which generation you are, if you're a boomer, an Xer, a millennial or a Zer, at some point in time, you are going to have to understand how uh, long-term care works, how Medicaid works, how Medicare works. Um, you also may end up dipping into your own pocket your own savings to help take care of elder our elder loved ones so before that happens and it's a big surprise let's figure out what we need to do and the questions that we have to ask our elder loved ones they may not want to talk about it but they don't have a choice anymore we didn't want to talk about the birds and the bees with them but they forced that conversation on us so we have to force this conversation on them to make sure we all know exactly where we stand i also want to say thank you to the trans gentlemen of excellence i did a workshop for them this past tuesday i don't know if it was 40 or 50 people in the room but oh my gosh they had so much energy they asked so much questions so many questions uh, we talked about debt reduction strategies uh, different ways to save and how to you know get your credit right uh, because again if your credit is straight then borrowing money is is not going to be a problem for you um, also today we are going to be addressing what's happening in the world um, global warming it seems is, is taking front and center um, there's a big conference coming up in Switzerland this week at Davos and we have you know the world leaders uh, CEOs everybody who's uh, you know the most powerful people in the world will be head heading to Davos and they're going to be talking about climate change even that little girl that young lady Greta Thornburg I think her name is or Greta something she's gonna be there along with President Trump and I'm hoping they don't get into like a, a schoolyard brawl um, it's gonna be horrible <laughs> but we are gonna talk about it because the country of Australia is on fire I believe the amount of, of, of burnage that they had is, is uh, equivalent to, I think, the state of Louisiana. They have had over one million acres burned, and that is going to have a significant effect uh, globally with insurance companies and things of that nature. So we need to start, you know, this, this conversation has to start. It has to happen. And I'm going to tell you the types of companies that are taking, uh, some of the companies that are actually committing to being 100% uh, using renewable energies, renewable uh, electricities, and things of that nature. Uh, it is going to be one of the places for us to start investing in uh, to make sure that we can undo some of the damage that's been done to our country. All right. Um, one of the cool things of, about our guest, Lisa Kaufman, she is the um, aging life care uh, manager and CEO of Senior Care Options. And if, if you if it's not hasn't happened to you or if you know someone who's in that uh, situation where they think something may be happened to an elder loved one and they need to figure out what to do, share this video with them. Tell them to watch us because coming up, we will be answering those questions and you'll have my top five news stories of the week as well as my Emma Knows Money uh, tips for the week. See you back in 180 seconds.
We are back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. We are ready for my top five, top five financial news stories of the week. Okay, one industry has replaced over half of its CEOs with women in 2019. Can you guess? Can you guess? All right. It is the apparel industry. They have the highest rates of CEO replacements out of any other industry in the United States of America. That's right. They have replaced, um, they have... Um, put 58% of the women in, uh, in, in the, they are 50 in the apparel industry, 58% of the CEOs are now female. So that is great. Um, also companies in the government and nonprofit sector also had high numbers of CEO, female CEO replacements at 43%. Hospitals are at 35%, healthcare and products uh, about 22%. And in the financial industry, believe it or not, 20% uh, lagging behind in the replacing uh, or even introducing female CEOs. Um, is the tech industry at about 7.6 and with a big goose egg um, the industries that have zero female uh, CEOs are the cannabis industry chemical engineering legal mining and also telecom so they get a big boo but females are leading right now about 33% of the um, fortune 500 companies and uh, unfortunately women CEOs tend to get what they call the glass cliff so that's when they'll bring in a woman uh, to, to, <laughs> to take care of a business after the business has uh, failed so women come in to clean up the mess all right next story is about manufacturing Okay, um, what's keeping the manufacturing industry down? A skills gap, that's right, knowledge. Um, so the um, manufacturing industry is looking at um, being great again. They want us as a country to be great, great again. And so what they're gonna do is spend $26.2 billion, that is nine zeros and a comma and a digit. Um, they're gonna spend 26.2 billion on training initiatives for new and current employees this year in 2020. There's a shortage of available workers. So again, for you, if you are you know, not making a lot of money, this is an opportunity now that you know that manufacturing industry is looking at training people. Um, and then um, if you are looking to, at, for a way to get out of your city or your town, you may need to figure out where some of these manufacturing companies are. Um, again, what they wanna do is uh, upskill, which is a new terminology, uh, the current workforce, and they wanna make sure that there is a pipeline of uh, talent uh, to fill positions. So the skills gap has been the number one challenge for manufacturers for the past two years. And to be quite frank, it's actually nine quarters to be exact. Um, and this is according to the National Association of Manufacturers. So the question that you're gonna have to ask yourself is would you be willing to move or relocate to get into the manufacturing industry? And one of the things that they're looking at doing is offering flex time models, part-time, full-time training, benefits, 401k plans, employer matches, things of that nature. So they're saying that there's going to be a need of an additional 2.4 million jobs in the manufacturing sector by the year 2028. All right. So you have to get this right. All right. Next up, there are 10, 10 boom towns, cities in the United States of America. And so this is based on certain criteria of, um, you know, attracting new residents. Uh, they have a thriving economy and they also have ample housing. And on uh, previous shows, you've heard me mention certain cities that will pay you, you know, $10,000 to live there, start your own business, uh, work remotely, things like that. So here are the metrics that they looked at are the change in household income over a five-year period, population change, unemployment rates, number of jobs created, the GDP of the 
city, uh, the business growth rate, and also housing. So based on the stats, the top uh, 10 cities where incomes have risen by 25% or more are Concord, North Carolina, Mil Milpitas, California, Enterprise, Nevada, Meridian, Ohio, College Station, Texas, Seattle, Washington, Charleston, South Carolina, Miami, Florida, uh, Denton, Texas, and then Longmont, Colorado. So again, if you are looking to relocate for a job, these are some of the cities that you're going to want to tap into and see if there are some opportunities there for you. All right. For retirees, if you're looking at retiring, you haven't saved a lot and you're trying to figure out how are you going to live in the United States of America? Well, maybe the United States of America is no longer for you. So I've got two countries that have quality health care and low cost living. So in America right now, affordable housing and living and quality health care is becoming unattainable for not just the average everyday person, but also our elder loved ones, our seniors. So their cost of health care is just skyrocketing. So the country of Italy ranks uh, ninth on the healthcare index. And just to give you some perspective, the United States ranks 29th on good quality healthcare. So in Italy, um, they have a high ratio of doctors to residents. They have free or low cost point of delivery services and uh, prescriptions. And they're saying that Northern Italy has a better, has better healthcare facilities uh, per the article that I read than Southern Italy, but I'm sure that'll start some type of battle. But it is possible to get by on about $20,000 a year in Italy. And I said possible not probable, but possible. So do your research. And then the second country is España. That is Spain. That is the Spanish-speaking country uh, in Europe. And they are 19th on the list for healthcare. <clears throat> and based on what I've read, you can get by with about $2,000 per month. So that's $24,000 a year. So again, if you're trying to figure out what to do about retirement and the United States is looking too tight, uh, you may want to consider going overseas. All right. And the last story, and I want a big congratulations for the company Visa. That's right. The big fin financial services company Visa, um, they have met their goal to use 100% renewable electricity by the year 2020. Can I get some hand claps? Yes. All right. They have um, they've done this in 131 offices throughout 76 countries and four global processing centers. They have uh, a sustainable mix of renewable energy sources using both solar and wind. And I just wanted to commend them for that. They are now listed on the Dow Jones Sustainability North American Index. They've been there since 2017. So congratulations to them because they have reduced their greenhouse gas emissions by 90 percent since the year 2014. So again, give it up for Visa. We got to commend companies when they're doing things the right way for the globe. All right. When we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's, I'm going to be talking to you about the rising costs of healthcare and why uh, you need to pay attention to these costs because if it's not going to affect you for another, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, it may end up impacting somebody that you love very much. So when we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's, We are back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. I want to thank you for joining in and, and watching us, listening to us on this Sunday morning. Uh, you are looking at us live on Facebook.com. Uh, you could just go to Sensation Station Network. 
click the like button and then you'll be able to see the show and all its production value. Uh, if you are about to head in the car, you can tune into us at SSNATL.com or SensationStationNetwork.com. And you can also follow the station and listen to the broadcast live on TuneIn uh, while you're sitting in church or at brunch. <laughs> all right, before the break, um, oh, also, uh, if you have questions, go ahead and put them in the comment section on the station's page or if you're watching from my um, Facebook live stream, go ahead and put your comments in or you can text us at 678-613-5857 and we'll answer any questions that you have. But before the break, I talked about uh, the high cost of care for our elder loved ones. And there's a disease called dementia or Alzheimer's that is really taking a hold on a lot of us. Uh, Some people say it's because of the deodorant we use, the aluminum. They'll come up with a ton of reasons, but right now they don't quite have a cure. But it is, Alzheimer's disease is the sixth leading cause of death here in the United States. And um, 82% of seniors think it's important to have their thinking or their memory checked. And this is important for us to know because as we see our elder loved ones, if they start you know, forgetting to do certain things, repeating certain stories, forgetting certain things, we have to pay attention. It may not get better. Um, 5.8 million people are living with Alzheimer's. And by the by the year 2050, that is going to be 14 million people. 14 million Americans are going to have Alzheimer's by the year 2050. Um, now, more than 16 million Americans, and this is why I'm bringing this up on today's show, more than 16 million Americans provide unpaid care for people living with Alzheimer's or dementia. Okay, that's a lot of money. And these caregivers provide an estimated um, about $234 billion of value. So that is money that's not being realized, that's just, you know, poof, going up in smoke because most people are not getting paid for it. And that's why I'm bringing this up because, again, if we have elder loved ones that don't like to talk about their finances and they don't want to, they don't want us all up in their business, well, it is our business because if you're saving for retirement, uh, if you're trying to get your kids through school, things of that nature, what happens with your parents or elder loved ones matter. So there is a generation called the sandwich generation. That's my generation. Those are people who are between the ages right now of of 40 to 59. And that's about half of the country, a little bit less than that. Um, And they provide, as I mentioned, a bunch of unpaid care. Um, 66% of the caretakers happen to be women. Um, And let's see, one in four, number of caretakers who have to take leave from work to take care of their families is about 25% of the people out there. Um, So the average amount of time spent on caregiving is about 25 hours a week. That's a part-time job. So imagine leaving home, you know, you go to work, you come home, you take care of your family, and then you go to take care of your parents or your aunties or somebody else that's older. Um, That is a lot, that's a big strain. And so today I want everyone to just kind of think, no matter which generation you're in, I want you to think about the cost of care. Um, The average nursing home care is about $70,000 this year, depending on what city and state that you live in. Uh, But in 10 years from now, that average cost is projected to be $190,000. 
So to provide care for some of our elder loved ones, if we can't do it, it's going to be almost $200,000 a year. So they may not have that. That may be all they have saved up for retirement, plus their pension and Social Security. So where is that money going to come from? Um, so that's why we have to have these conversations uh, with our elder loved ones about what is our strategy, what is our plan, so we're able to do it now instead of waiting until we're in crisis mode when we can't do anything called a family care uh, benefit. So if you have to take time off from work to provide care for your family members, uh, this disability policy will will kick in if you, if your hours, if your the your income reduces by about 20%. So if you have an income reduction of 20% because you're providing care for your family, this disability policy will kick in and pay you to try to make up for that shortage. So that's something that you should think about. Um, the other thing that we have to talk about is actual long-term care insurance, okay? Um, it is important that we look at getting this insurance if we can afford it. You know, um, if your parents or your elder family members can't afford it, then maybe you and a couple of cousins, you and your brothers and sisters, everybody chips in, say $50 a month, $100 a month to pay for this policy. So America, a lot of Americans don't have it, but a lot of us are going to need it. Um, it looks like 70% of the people who are turning age 65 can expect to use some form of long-term care during their lifetime. And I'm talking, these are people that, you know, we already know them. They have uh, diabetes, high blood pressure, and other chronic conditions. Um, they're, they're, these are people who may even live alone. Um, so they're going to need to have a nurse coming in, you know, on a, on a daily basis. And that costs a lot of money. Full-time care is about $250 a day to have someone come into the house. So when we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's, I have the answer to all of these questions. How do we put all this stuff together? Who do we turn to? So uh, Lisa Kaufman will be here to answer your questions when we come back on FinRen. back with financial renaissance with the m's happy sunday morning to you good morning uh, to all our listeners all over the country and actually all over the world uh saying saying good morning or good day to the people in england i don't know what their accent is <laughs> uh, buenos dias to the people in costa rica um i love i love all the feedback that we've been getting you are watching us live um at facebook.com backslash not dumbed down um, or you can go to facebook.com uh, search for sensation station network hit the like button and then you can see the show or you can go on tune in uh, go to sensation station network and you can take us with you uh, on your travels now social media time that's right uh, you can follow me on social media um, twitter at financial ren uh, at Emma Knows Money, uh, and on Facebook and IG, Emma Knows Money, and uh, also Financial Renaissance. And then on YouTube, you can go ahead and do a search for Emma Knows Money and hit that subscribe button, please. Okay, I need more subscribers. Um, coming up on the show, we have my Market Movers and Losers, which will, you know, also, t um, I'll be talking about Davos and what's happening with the Sustainability uh, Index. But first, I would like to introduce our guest today. We have a very special guest with us. Lisa Kaufman, the owner and aging life care manager of Senior Care Options. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you, Emma. Glad Thank to you. be here. I'm glad to have you here. It's been a long time coming. It has coming. been. Uh, you were one of the first people to fill out your questionnaire. <laughs> <laughs> you filled it out months in advance. It was. Oh, man. So tell us about tell us about Senior Care Options. Well, it's a aging life care management practice that I started in 2001. 
and it has grown. I have six care managers that work with me now, and we are able to serve the needs of the greater Atlanta area. And this is kind of in your blood, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. So my my mother, you alluded to this, my mother started <laughs> a care management practice when she lived in Chicago, and she's now retired, but um, she was so excited about, she's a nurse, and she was so excited to really interface with her patients again, and it was infective, and I thought, that really is more my speed. You know, nurses are the number one most trusted profession in the, in the United States. Really? Yeah, they're not compensated well. No, they're, they're not. not treated well, but <laughs> they, they are the, the most trusted. Yeah, I was listening to cool. uh, NPR. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So what is, it, what is aging life care management? It is sort of a consultative practice where um, credentialed clinicians and professionals guide families who are taking care of loved ones who are older or have disabilities. Okay. So anyone who requires some kind of care could use the help and guidance, advice, support, and advocacy of a professional. And full disclosure, I've had to call uh, Lisa before. I've, I had a client, um, I don't know how many years ago, it was probably five years ago, um, who we realized uh, something wasn't quite right. They had made dinner for 10 people, and out of the 10 people that they cooked dinner for, five of those people were no longer with us. They had passed away. And so um, I believe she was having a, a series of mini strokes, and we couldn't get her in to see her doctor. It was, a, you know, just a big to-do. But one of the first calls I made was to you to Thank help you. out. Um, so why do, when do families typically, um, why should people reach out and, and call you? Well, anytime somebody is struggling with the transition, is a great time to call. Okay. If you're unsure or you think your loved one might need care, that's a great time to call. People don't shop at assisted livings because that's the way they want to spend their Sunday. They'd rather be listening to your show. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, of course. So if you're shopping around, then there's obviously a need and you already know it. Right. But people then think, well, I don't need it yet. Okay, if you're looking at assisted living properties, you do need it and you know it. Yeah. Somewhere. Somewhere. Way yeah. deep you down. You know that inside. that's where you may end up and it's best that's to start right. paying attention Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Um, now, I know that people typically feel that their family members will get better or. You know, I think people should call you before there's a crisis. Oh, absolutely. I think that once a person <laughs> love hits, that. hits a certain age, and that's what I want to do on the show mm -hmm. today, is really get people to be more proactive um, in planning for uh, the, the care of our aging loved ones. Um, waiting till the last minute, it, you, you don't have a lot of options when you do that. No, you don't. I, I do want to just interject really quickly. Right there ahead. is something that I am starting to see. There is a new segment for our, like a new trend we're seeing in the industry where people are proactive planners. They have no children. They may not be married any longer or never were. They may not have a significant other or a partner. And they're planning ahead for their own care. They don't need it now, but they want somebody to know what needs to be known about them before they need it. This and I love so that. So it's not just about your loved ones, your, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, your mom, your dad. It could be for yourself if you don't have a support network that you want to care for you. 
Now, people tend to think, and I don't know why, <laughs> you know, why do you trust the government? I don't trust the government, but then when it comes to long-term care, the government will take care of me. So yeah. let, no. let's talk about the truth about this. You okay. know, there's, there, there are two government programs. One yeah. is a federal program. Mm -hmm. One is a state-run program. Mm -hmm. And they're called Medicare, which is the federally-run program. And we all pay taxes. Mm -hmm. We all pay taxes, so we pay into Medicare. Mm -hmm. And then there's something called Medicaid. Yes. Okay. Do you want to tell us how those kind of fall into this picture? Sure. Um, Medicare is sort of the insurance program for adults with disabilities. If you are approved as someone who has a disability and you get SSDI, then you can get Medicare. If you are over 65, you can get Medicare. It pays for your doctor's visits, rehab, medical equipment, and hospitalizations. It doesn't pay for lots of other things. Mm -hmm. um, I do understand, and I'm gonna try to be as politically correct as I can, that Medicare Advantage plans, and I'm, you can't see, I'll do air quotes. Yes. Um, <laughs> they are, there's a lot of bells and whistles, and every year there's bells and whistles, and one of the things that they're currently doing is home care. Me regular Medicare does not pay for home care. We're not talking home health. Right. Home health is the therapeutic PT, OT, speech, nurses, wound care. That Medicare pays for. So Under, almost like with, um, like if you have to go into rehab and then you come home, they may come in for a couple they may of come hours. In. But you exactly. have to have gotten hurt, um, like broke you a You need hip. a doctor's uh, prescription for that. Right. And then Medicare will cover it for a very finite period of time. Very short period. Very short. <laughs> very and it, short period. Here's the other little trip, uh, you know, trick that you need to know is it varies according to where we are in the financial fiscal budget for um, the, the country. So the government is prescribing how much therapy you get. And it varies according to where we are in the budget. Well, hey, uh, our budget, our deficit just topped one trillion for the first time last year, for the first time in seven years. So we don't have a budget for it. No. Um, no. To be quite frank, we don't have a budget. No. We're not collecting enough tax revenue. Uh, so there is no budget for Medicare to provide uh, long-term care, any type of long-term care uh, benefits. We poor Xers can't pay for everything. <laughs> no, I know y'all want us to, but we really can't. We cannot. So what about Medicaid? So Medicaid is the program for indigent care. It is very limited as to what it pays for. It is usually for, especially in Georgia, it pays for nursing homes. It may pay for some waiver programs in the community, but honestly, the wait lists are so long and it, it's very hard to actually get on service. Mm -hmm. There's just not enough people to provide that level of care. So for the most part, we're talking nursing home care. Right. Now, the way that Medicare works is, and she mentioned you have to be indigent. So there's a certain Medicaid. amount. For Sorry, Medicaid, Medicaid. Excuse me. Medicaid, right? Um, so what happens is, let's say uh, you own a house or your grandmother owns a house and she has to get on Medicaid and she's provided care in a nursing home. Well, once she passes away, the government comes back and they'll take possession of that property. They're going to get paid back from her estate for what they paid out for nursing home care. That is correct. And this is why having a long-term care policy makes sense because certain states have what's called a partnership. 
So let's say you paid um, you know, $10,000 in premiums into a long-term care policy. Well, the government, um, when they do come back to, 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 to claw back what they paid out, they will leave that $10,000 in your estate. Um, and when we come back um, on Financial Renaissance with the M's, we're going to talk about who pays for care um, and how to make the right Medicare choices. Lisa's going to be here, so drop your questions when we come back in 180 seconds. And we are back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. Happy Sunday to you all. Coming up on the show, we have my Emma Knows Money tips and also my market movers and losers. Um, but first, we are here with, um, I want to say thank you to a couple of groups, the Urban Entrepreneur and the Internet Radio, St Radio Station Promotion, uh, which are Facebook groups. Thank um, but I want to talk about the heavy burden or the high burden on caregivers uh, because it ends up becoming... Um, a financial concern. Um, as I'm building financial plans for clients, the one question that I always ask them is if they're going to be responsible for anyone's care. Do they have anyone uh, in their family who's special needs or who's elderly that has any chronic or terminal illnesses, uh, things of that nature? Um, among the higher burden caregivers, 57% are providing financial support to a loved one. 75% of caregivers um, have an income of less than $25,000, if you can believe that. And then 77% are, are concerned with meeting their own financial needs. So higher burden caregivers have an average of 1.8 chronic conditions. So the stress levels mm -hmm. from providing care for elder loved ones or just loved ones, period, um, it's taking a toll on our nation. And so that's why I have Lisa here today uh, to make sure, one, you can still retire when you need to retire, and two, you don't stroke out before it's time. <laughs> for you to retire because <laughs> providing care for an elder loved one it, it literally it takes a physical it takes a mental uh you know emotional financial toll on you right it does it does so who pays for for this care you know who pays for care how does care get paid for it depends and the best way to have the most choices is if you self-pay really yeah so if you're relying on medicare and medicaid you don't have as many options. In fact, with Medicaid, you have very slim, few slim to options. Right. Okay. If you are able to self-pay in some form, your own savings, your own retirement, your 401k, your long-term care insurance, your so pension. So you're okay with long-term care because that's what oh, I yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what I advocate it's an, for. It's asset protection. It, it is. It's yeah. risk management. Oh, like absolutely. You, you, you pay yeah. a, you know, a couple of pennies for lots of dollars. That's uh, right. You know, in the future. Yeah. So. And it absolutely helps out. I think a lot of people think that just Social Security will take care of it or, or just their pension. It really needs to be a multifaceted approach and able to really afford care. The more assets you have, and I don't, I don't mean that as you have to be super wealthy, but you do have to have something, something yes. then you have more choices. So when, what are some of the costs, you know, we're talking about costs, we're saying long-term care. You know, I mentioned that in, tw in 10 years, the average cost for assisted living or to be care to be provided is going to be about two hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm -hmm. I can't. I know that the healthcare cost rises at about six percent annually, but I can't. I cannot fathom paying two hundred thousand dollars a year for care. The bulk of, of the cost is in caregivers. It's a really low-paid job. It, it is. is expensive. That's why a lot of people end up in assisted living, because they can share those caregivers. And 
it, it makes it more cost effective. If you have someone in your own home, but you have them as much as you really would need them. So sometimes people cut corners mm -hmm. because they, well, I can afford if they come in, let's say five days a week from 12 to seven, great. What happens the rest of the time? Yeah, overnight, because a lot of people mm -hmm. need overnight care. They exactly. need help. And it's usually when you when you can't do two out of the six activities of daily living. So That's feeding long -term yourself. That's long-term care insurance. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah feeding yourself, uh, taking yourself to the bathroom, um, incontinence or mm -hmm. continence. <laughs> incontinence or continence. Basically, you're having bladder control problems, Yeah, right? the problems are the incontinence. If you're continent, Oh, yeah, you so have, the incontinence. You can, you can hold everything. Okay. <laughs> um, and that's important. So it's those are the activities of daily living. That's where the most care is, is mm -hmm. that personal hands-on care. And sometimes it starts off with just supervision. Does this person actually do what they need to do in the shower or do they stand there right are they locking the doors at night are they leaving the stove on are they do they um, have sundown so that they if they're sundowning and they're up at night and they're sleeping during the day well lord only knows what they're doing when that everybody else in the house may be sleeping yes or not sleeping which kind of goes back to the concern that you had for the caregiver burden mm -hmm. and statistically if there is a dementing illness the person who takes care of the person with dementia is much more likely to predecease the person they cared for. Say that one more say that one more time please. The caregiver of the caregiver, the patient often predeceases the person they care for, which in layman's terms they die first, which means the person who was sick is still needing care. Yes. And and that happens again because of the stress Correct. levels, the financial stress Correct. levels, the emotional stress levels of things of that nature. And again, with long-term care policies, you know, when you buy them, um, one of the things that they're doing now is they are allowing people to pay their family members as care as caregivers. Yeah. And to me, that makes the most sense in the world. You know, um, if you're going to have a family member staying with you overnight, they get to get paid for being inconvenienced and being at your home. Right. So I don't see, you know, to me, uh, most Americans can't afford to not have long-term care insurance. I agree with you. Even in its smallest form. Well, I think people think they're saving money by having family provide care, but the deal is they are unpaid caregivers, and they're working 24-7. And when you're taking care of another adult human being and yourself, you're living two lives. Right. It's exhausting. It is. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about the boom of ass assisted living facilities and communities all over our country and here locally in Atlanta. Uh, if, again, if you have questions, drop them in the comment section. We are back on Financial Renaissance with the M. Say, listen, if you miss an episode of the show, you can always catch it. Uh, we turned it into a podcast. It's available on um, wherever you get your podcasty thingies from. Uh, we're available on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and also iHeartRadio. Just look for uh, Financial Renaissance with the M's or Google uh, Emma Knows Money. Um, we have with us today Lisa Kaufman, uh, who is the owner of Senior Care Options, which is a management company. You kind of facilitate the, the care you navigate, mm -hmm. you navigate like, oh, my, my mom is, you know, my mom fell and broke her hip and she doesn't remember her way home and blah, blah, blah. I yeah. call you and then what do you do? 
we evaluate the situation. We do a needs analysis. It's very comprehensive. Okay. And then we can develop a care plan, which is the roadmap. The roadmap. Where you're so, going. Ah, so yeah. you provide the roadmap for how we're going to care for our elder loved yep. ones throughout. Who the resources are, what the recommendations are, how to find the care, what these resources need to be doing for you, all of that. Do you uh, do you break down the gobbledygook that the doctors say? Oh, yes. We you do? We speak medical. You speak medical? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. one of the hardest things. Yeah. That's one, so of, one the of the hardest things. So one of the things we, we do for our ongoing care management clients is we advocate with them in doctor's appointments and in at the facilities. So if it's in the hospital or at the nursing home, we know what the rules are and how the game is played, and we are on your side. Wow, and that is worth every penny. Yes, it is. It is worth every penny yes, because what you don't know is, is what's going to hurt you. That's so right. let's talk about this, like everywhere we look, there are assisted living communities popping <sighs> up, right? Yeah. Uh, I have an idea of what they should do. They should have low low rent for like college students to you know keep Girl, everybody together. I agree. Um, that's what I think the future is. That's what I think it is, and yeah. it's happening in several places around the country. Also, lower cost housing for seniors and and mm -hmm. uh, students. But what do we, what do, what do you want to say about the assisted living facilities? You know, either here um, here in locally in Atlanta and across the nation. What is it that people need to know about uh, these assisted living facilities? I think the thing that concerns me the most is that there is a caregiver shortage across the country. So who's providing the care in these communities? I did not know there was a caregiver there shortage. There is a very, very, it's an extreme caregiver shortage. Okay. And in the Atlanta area, and I imagine a lot of other places, they're all drawn from the same pool. So they're, they work for home care companies, they work for the assisted living, and whatever gig gives them the, more, the most money, they will drop you like a potato and go to wherever they could get a quarter more. So they need to make more. They need to make they more. They need to make more. They, they do need to make more. And what they do is important. It, very important. Yeah. Um, so you a know. lot of people then, I know this is not what you were asking about, but a lot of people hire independently, and I never advise that. It's cheaper, but then you have all the liability. What do you mean independently? Like I'll find someone on the street, I'll go on Craigslist and say, hey, you know, I need someone to take care of me, mom. My mom had this great housekeeper, and I just thought she could start taking care of my mother, and she'll do it for $10 an hour. Okay, that's great. She never got trained. If she gets hurt on the job, that's you paying yeah. liability for that. If she suddenly befriends your mother and becomes her power of attorney, you've got a huge legal battle coming your Man, way. And oh my gosh. Yeah. She may steal things. She may say she needs money for her car. If she can't show up for work, it's your problem and nobody's covering. No background checks, no yeah. drug screens, no nothing. I always tell people to use an agency. Yes. But there is a shortage out there. We need more people getting into this. So again, if you're looking at you know careers of the future, you know this uh, is nursing is one, yeah. and then also caregiving uh, care is, is is another one that you can get into. And quite frankly, they do need to be paid more because I, I don't I don't feel comfortable. You know, I've been to some of the assisted living facilities. Um, and, I, and the station is in a really nice neighborhood in Atlanta. It's in Buckhead. And I've been to some, and I've seen some of the workers there. And because of what I've seen, I've made a decision that I want my parents uh, in my house, or at least on my property. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want them somewhere where I can't just come in 24-7 and just pop up because I, I just don't feel comfortable yeah. with the, with the quality you can. And caliber of people. Almost everywhere they give you a code, and you could go in at any time. You can always visit. But 
it's it's not the same it's not the same it's, it's not, not the same, the same. Um, so if, if people are you know not here in Atlanta and they don't have the ability to reach out to you um, for your help um, so you just work you, you, the people that you deal with are local in yeah. the um, uh, metro Atlanta area yes now what do people do in other states well, I belong to a professional association. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been a member for probably 17 years now. They've okay. been around for 35. Okay. It is the Aging Life Care Association, ALCA. And you can ALCA. go online mm -hmm. and find somebody that you can plug in your zip code, find somebody within 100 miles of you okay. um, at aginglifecare.org. Okay. So aging care, aging agingLifeCare.org. Okay, and that will help you find a care manager. A care manager, in, in somebody credentialed, somebody who has experience, RNs, social workers, other medical professionals, um, certified in care management. Okay, okay. Um, so now, uh, sometimes when people find out that, you know, their parents have had an issue or they're losing their cognitive abilities, um, they they tend to feel like they'll make a couple of calls and then they freeze yeah and they don't do anything yeah or they it'll get better or they're getting better and you know when people first start you know losing their cognitive abilities they kind of float in and out yes they do um you know during the early in the morning they're fine so when you call them first thing in the morning like yeah i'm gonna do this today i'm gonna do that today and then later on in the afternoon they're lost yes so what do you what do you recommend to people who are who want to wait and see I, first of all, that is a choice. So a lot of people think sometimes by doing nothing, they haven't chosen to do anything. Okay. And it is a very passive choice, but it is still a choice. Doing nothing doesn't solve anything. And I do find that there is both analysis paralysis, where you research so many options you can't make a decision. That is a problem in and of itself. And then there's it's the folks who are waiting for a sign, or they're, they think their mom's gonna be okay. Um, there's a lot of denial. Mm -hmm. Absolutely ties into why people don't make choices. Okay. Um, for the seniors themselves who cannot or, uh, I mean, that's one problem, but some can make some decisions or they can be a party to their decisions, right. but choose not to because they don't think the inevitable is coming. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem. Well, when we come back, we're going to kind of jump into the things that we need to do um, so that before you're in a crisis mode. So uh, come back in, uh, I think, about 300 seconds. <laughs> we are back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. That was quicker than 300 seconds. It was actually two. <laughs> One, two. And listen, uh, you are listening to us live at ssnatl.com or sensationstationnetwork.com. Uh, if you want to watch the show and you're watching us on Facebook, go ahead and do a search for Sensation Station Network, hit the like button, and then you can uh, you can actually see and hear everything because uh, I saw a comment that we can't hear the guests uh, if you're watching me live on my on my own personal uh, Facebook page. Um, you can, uh, if you have comments, go ahead and drop those in the comment section or you could text us at 678 one three um, five eight five seven and what we're talking about today is uh, aging life care okay what do you do in that final quarter of your life you know that last quarter <laughs> what do you do with your life and it's an important conversation people don't like to have it um, because they think that if they talk about you know growing old and dying that they're gonna grow old and die Duh. it's gonna 
that's what's going to happen, right? We don't. Nobody wants to be here. But I think we're starting to look at death a little bit differently in this country. We've all, yeah. always looked at it very negatively and mm -hmm. so final. Um, and and just the way that I look at it now is just it's just a little bit different. Um, so we do need to have these conversations, and the the importance of having these conversations is so that when something happens, you don't know what's going on in your family member's life. Period. Yeah. You don't know, you know, if they're in college and they're studying, if they've got finals. Um, they there needs to be a plan so that people are not caught. I call it flat-footed, mm -hmm. uh, caught off guard, and not know what to do. So it is extremely important that you do have some type of final or elder care plan uh, that your whole family knows about. Um, one of the things on my website, EmmaKnowsMoney.com, we have a 10-step contingency plan. Um, you can make a contribution and pick it up, or you can find one free out there in the sphere, you know, on the on the Google. Uh, somebody would have one. But what it what I did was I put together a workbook that would say like, um, you know, when do you when does your trash go out? Um, who is your handyman? Who does the lawn? How often do they get paid? Who are your utility companies? All the information that you'll need to run somebody's household if they can no longer um, speak for themselves. Yeah, you know, it is great. very important. When you're in crisis mode and somebody ends up in the hospital or, God forbid, dies, you can't figure this stuff out. Mm -hmm. And it can be right there in front of you. <laughs> it can be, you know, there's a stack of mail and you can't figure that stuff out. And, and I created this um, this workbook because when my grandmother passed away, we were clueless. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, watching, you know, very intelligent people bump heads because nobody could figure anything out. And, and I never want to see that happen to anyone. It's a horrible, it's horrible to be grieving or to be very sad and trying to figure out financial Absolutely. stuff at the same time, which is why I have Lisa here today. <laughs> you are here to save people money. <laughs> and Actually, we do. Yes, it costs money. It does. But it saves money and time and heartache and stress and making mistakes and again mm -hmm. it's the what you don't know that hurts more than what you know oh my gosh yes. and there's so much of in in providing care for our elders uh and there's so much that we don't know so again you know before the break we talked about why it's better to have a family care plan now mm -hmm. than wait till we're in crisis mode yeah absolutely you that's the worst that? time to make a decision a lot of people do they wait until crisis mode and mm -hmm. then the information comes at them fast and furious and it is always more expensive when you are in crisis mode. Why? Because you're going to need a higher level of care or they don't understand. You're looking at expensive legal work and it's traumatic and tears families apart. If you yes. plan ahead, I guess this is what I want to say. A lot of people don't want to be a burden. I know you've heard that. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be a burden so they don't plan because they don't plan to be a burden. Not planning is what makes you a burden. Thank you. you I couldn't have said it oh better. Oh my gosh. It's the not planning. When that the not planning is a plan. Nuts. <laughs> yeah, not planning is a plan to disrupt your family's yeah. life. Having no plan to what you were saying earlier and you're trying to scramble to figure things out, mm -hmm. that's when it becomes a burden. Listen, the new tax law that's out, there are tax advantages of buying long-term care insurance. Uh, if you're under 40, you're able to deduct money. If you're um, like uh, up to $420 um, based on your premium. And if you're 71 or over, uh, you can deduct uh, $5,200 or a little bit over that. So there's a scale based on your age. The older you are, the more that you get to deduct. So the federal government is giving you an out. <laughs> you know, they're incentive. giving you a deduct incentive for yeah. it. 
and then the state governments are giving you an incentive to also have long-term care because they won't they'll take the premiums that you pay into long-term care and keep that in your estate for your heirs so it is very important that you do some type of planning right yes, absolutely. Um, do you have any classes <laughs> do you teach classes <laughs> I do presentations all the time okay yeah so definitely. if people want to reach you if they want to if they want to learn more how do they get in touch with you you can get in touch with me at Lisa K at senior care opt Dot com. And opt is OPT. That is Oscar Paul Thomas. That's right. And then if you want to call their office, their number uh, locally in Atlanta, well, it doesn't matter where you are, 770-579-9177. Um, and you definitely want to give uh, Lisa a, a call or, you know, reach out to her because you want to find out how does this planning work. You can also call our office uh, at Greenwood Wealth Management at 404-633-9952. I can put you in touch with Lisa. And again, no matter where where you are in the country, uh, if you need to find a care manager, yes. right? Uh, they can, uh, you can Google Aging Life Care or go to aginglifecare.org. Again, it will save you a ton of money if you do this preventative work ahead of time. Yep. And long-term care, it's, it's, they've got different ways of, of skinning that cat now. They've got the traditional long-term care, which there's only about 12, there's less than 12 companies that offer the traditional long-term care. Yeah. When I started in the, in the industry, it was over 100. So insurance companies know that, hey, <laughs> there's people are living too long mm -hmm. and they're needing too much care, so they're trying to get out of the business mm -hmm. uh, of selling new policies. But there are what's called hybrid policies where they will take, it'll be a combination of life insurance and long-term care. So you pay, say, $10,000 uh, into a policy, and then you'll have $40,000 towards care, you know, or if you're paying $60,000, you'll have two eighty, dollars or, you know, so on and so forth. And if you wait till you're over eighty, it's like a one-to-eight ratio on your money. Uh, even some annuity companies have uh, long-term care riders. So this is definitely something that you want to look into. And Lisa, thank you. Thank you for taking time you, uh, being here with us today. My this has pleasure. been a long time coming. And you will come back? Oh, absolutely. All right, awesome. Uh, we'll be back with um, Financial Renaissance with the M's. And we are back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. I am your host, Emma Folks, and I want to say thank you again to our uh, guest, Lisa Kaufman. Uh, she gave us a lot of great advice. And don't forget that you can always uh, reach out to her at Lisa K. Uh, at SeniorCareOPT.com uh, to find out about, uh, you know, how do you go about planning for the, you know, your family member's last quarter or your own last quarter of your life. All right. So let's look at what's happening um, out there in the uh, big tech or big pharma. So there is a Parkinson has been a Parkinson dementia end up having. So that's going to be something um, that should be out this year. And then there's another powerful tool um, against the war on cancer. The country's first carbon ion therapy center is set to treat cancer um, cancer patients. It's being built in collaboration with Hitachi on the campus of the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida. So this is going to be an alternative to surgery, uh, and the new treatment is being viewed as the next horizon of cancer care. And it has the ability or the capability of killing cancer cells that are resistant to, say, the traditional radiation treatments and things like that. Don't know what the cost of this is going to be, but again, it looks like, um, you know, cancer is not going to be the death sentence uh, that it once was. Now, um, last year, in the year 2019, uh, last week I did a story on a female founder, uh, you know, like a startup venture capitalist. Well, it looks like $800 million went to femtech startups. And femtech means female tech 
technology startup companies. So if you are thinking about starting up a company, um, if you've got your own idea, you're an innovator, you know, you're you're one of those visionary type people, venture capitalists are now looking for women because they know uh, that, you know, we're just the bomb. Um, now, the best job in America, they're saying, is paying eight, uh, excuse me, not $800,000, I wish. The best job in America is paying $150,000. And the best job in America looks like it's called a front-end engineer. Um, front-end engineers had an overall job satisfaction score of 3.9 on Glassdoor, making theirs the number one profession, all right, in terms of job satisfaction, salary, job, and job opening. So it looks like um, front-end engineers develop the code that enhances a customer or a user's experience, and they essentially create and install and test the user interface elements of a website, all right? That is the number one job. So when we come back uh, on Financial Renaissance with the M's, we'll have my market movers and losers. And we are back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. Happy Sunday, everyone. Hey, listen, let's, let's talk about my market movers and losers. All right. So looking at our sneakerhead stocks, Nike was up and Foot Locker was up. Adidas, Puma, Under Armour, and Skechers uh, finished the week down. Most of the luxury brands finished up. Ralph Lauren, uh, Tapestry, uh, Tiffany. Um, and then looking at our cannabis companies, it's still really splotchy. We've got some up, we've got some down, but there's some big changes that are going to be happening here in the United States when it comes to that cannabis market. And then uh, in the gaming industry, Microsoft, uh, EA Sports, um, Activision, uh, they all finished the week up. And then on the markets, uh, the Dow, the S&P 500, and the NASDAQ all finished up. Because of the trade war, looks like there was a deal signed. However, this first phase of the deal has no impact on us Americans. It's actually going to help the Chinese out a little bit more. And then now, the, the Deloitte, um, Deloitte & Touche, is it Deloitte & Touche or just Deloitte? Deloitte. Just Deloitte now. I'm showing my age. Uh, Deloitte actually did a survey of chief of chief financial officers in the United States, and nearly all of the corporate CFOs say that the economy is going to slow and that the stock market is now overvalued. Let me repeat that. The CFOs in corporate America are saying that the economy is about to slow down and that the stock market is overvalued. Uh, they think the stock market um, averages are overvalued according to 77% of the respondents and the expectations are especially dismal for Europe and China. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the United States budget deficit topped $1 trillion in 2019 for the first time in seven years. That means that the United States is not collecting enough money to keep up with all the wars and all the tax breaks that have been given. So anytime the country is not generating enough money, they will take it from somewhere, and it's usually the bottom 99%. Um, uh, weeks ago, last year, a couple months ago, I told you that the Treasury Department was looking at issuing 50- and 30-year uh, bonds at really low rates, but the market said, you know, get out of here with that nonsense. So instead, what they're going to issue in the first half of this year is going to be a new 20-year bond. Um, the government spent uh, $1 trillion more in 2019 than they brought in. So this was the highest calendar year deficit, as I mentioned, in seven years. The Treasury also said last year that they were going to be exploring the possibility of issuing, you know, debts with higher maturities, but they're not going to do that. So the last time they offered a 20-year bond was in March of 1986, just to show you 
uh, where we are um, as far as trying to get some <laughs> trying to get some yields. So that 20-year bond, though, is going to be something good for a lot of other countries because we are the piggy bank for the world. So you know the interest rate may be two percent or something still ridiculously low compared to inflation. But for the rest of the world that has negative interest rates, these 20-year bonds are going to be extremely attractive, and that will also help uh, prop us up. We'll refinance some of our debt, and maybe maybe we can get some infrastructure um, replacements and fixed. I'm tired of driving around potholes, all right? Okay, so now let's look at what's been happening with the S&P 500. And the S&P 500 consists of 500 stocks chosen for their market size, their liquidity, and their industry group representation. And its market value uh, is a, is weighted um, based proportion to you know the, their their size. Okay, so since 1926, 84 percent of the rolling three-year periods for the S&P 500 have produced a positive return. And remember, I've been saying when the market goes down or we're in a recession, thing it's not a bad time um, unless you're not prepared for it. That is when a lot of things are going to be on sale, including the stock market. And typically, when the market goes down, it's back up within a three-year period. Uh, the S&P 500 has been up 40 of the last 50 years. Uh, between 1970 and 2019, the average rate of return was 10.6% per year. Uh, the stock uh, index has produced an average annual gain of 18% during the 40 up years while losing an average of 14% during the 10 down years. All right. Um, also on the United States um, indexes or stock exchanges, there are 172 Chinese companies listed on the major U.S. stock exchanges. That's just something to think about. It's thought-provoking, and it may also be an opportunity. Now, each and every day, um, the United States uh, Treasury bond market it was open last year for 250 days. Um, out of those 250 days, our U.S. government sold more than 2.5 trillion dollars of notes and bonds uh, for a grand total of 10.2 billion per trading day. So again, we are the world's bank, and thankfully, uh, they find. Um, that our treasury bonds are backed by the full faith of our government. And even though our government looks a little wonky right now, people still believe um, in uh, parking their money with us. Um, also, we're having another issue in the United States. This has to do with the population. Um, the Census Bureau projected um, that there would be 330 million people by January 1st of this year. 50 years ago, our nation's census, um, the decennial, which is the one that occurs every 10 years, measured the population at 203 million. And 100 years ago, in 1920, our population was only 106 million. Now, um, the, the natural births in the United States has declined uh, to just 957 uh, 100,000, which is not a lot of deaths, excuse me, not a lot of births. Uh, when we're comparing it to the death. So here's the deal. We need more people in the United States to keep, uh, you know, to keep our Social Security going, to keep our economy going and things like that. And we do have immigrants and we've got this issue with, with immigrants. But there are a lot of jobs that people here in the United States don't want to do. Um, so if those immigrants want to do those jobs, if they want to join our military to, to, you know, to, to get citizenship, I'm all for it because, again, this is a country that was built on immigration. When we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's, uh, got a story or two about Davos to tell you. And we are back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. Uh, listen, Patrina's in here doing judo chops. <laughs> Don't know why. Um, 
today or this week, what's coming up is a, uh, they call it the World Economic Forum, WEF, in Davos, Switzerland. And as I mentioned, this is where all the world leaders, uh, CEOs, you know, a lot of corporate people globally show up at this event. And that young lady, Greta, um, who gave that speech uh, about climate change at the UN, she's also going to be there. And this, 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 um, this summit is taking place, you know, at a, at a time when we have a climate emergency, when we look at what's happening here in the U.S., around the world, and especially um, in Australia. Now, BlackRock CEO uh, Larry Fink, he has um, said that he is going to, a lot of the things that they're going to be doing investment-wise is going to focus around what's called ESG, and that's environmental, social, and governance, uh, meaning that we're going to be looking at companies who are doing things uh, to make our globe a better place and to reduce um, emissions. So a lot of people are angry at BlackRock right now for even saying that, but what Larry Fink is doing, he, he believes one thing, but climate change has become such a political football that we can't have intelligent conversations about what to do. So uh, the there's an index now. Um, it's the DJSI, and it is the Dow Jones Sustainability North American Index. And what they're tracking is the top 20% of the largest 600 companies in the S&P Global Broad Market Index, and they're based on their sustainability, environmental, and governance practices. Now, don't come, don't even think this is not like the Dow Jones, you know, the 40 index or any other Dow Jones index that we have. This is literally about sustainability. So what they're looking at doing um, is is tracking a lot of these companies that are trying to reduce their um, carbon footprint. Okay. Um, and if you're investing money, um, if you're looking at making investments, you want to make the world a better place, you want to make sure that the companies that you're investing money in have the same values that you have. You know, a lot of people in our country like to use that word values and family, and it's supposed to mean something. Um, and it, it's usually a bunch of crap. But what I'm going to tell you is if you're investing money, uh, you need to make sure that the person, the companies uh, that you're investing money in are companies that are going to do right by our country and going to do right by the world. As we look in Central America, we look at South America, we look at what's going on in the um, in Central America, and we have all these migrants coming up to the United States. They're coming up because of glo global warming. They're coming up because they don't, they can't farm like they used to. They're not getting rain like they used to. Um, their waterways are drying up. So this is a global crisis. And when you have um, the country or the world getting hotter, uh, we're not going to be able to have farming like we did. You know, we look at the droughts that we're having over in California, um, it's going to make almond prices go up. It's going to make our produce prices go up. Uh, if you're eating beef and things like that, it's going to cost more to feed and water, you know, a lot of animals that we have. So you have to think about, you know, making money. And again, everybody wants to make money. I, I get that. But there is a way to do it in a sustainable manner. A lot of the oil and gas companies are now shifting gears and they're looking at becoming uh, more sustainable. So if there's a company that you're investing in and they're not sustainable, you can say something. We do have a voice and that voice usually comes in the mail. 
uh, in the form of a, a vote. You know, they ask you to vote for people who are members of the board, and it's going to require a little bit of homework. But if you have a financial planner, and this is why you should be working with a financial planner, you want to make sure your financial planner knows about the companies that you're investing in, you know, outside of your 401k. Within your 401k, you're kind of limited as to what you can do in most cases. But outside of that, you should be talking to your financial planner about the type of investments that you're making. Who are you putting money into? And so what we do at my company, um, we do look at, you know, returns, of course. We always look at returns, but we look at returns in, in comparison to what the S&P 500 or what the global markets are doing. Then we take things another step further. We look at who's on the investment committee. We want to make sure that it's not all white males, gray-haired males, you know, older guys. We want to see that there are some women, um, Asian people, Indian people, African, African-Americans, you know, just a, a broad range, and most importantly, women. Then we look at their investment committee. We look at the board, we look at the investment committee, and we want to see the same. On the investment committee, we want to make sure that everyone that is working there or that is on the investment committee did not go to an Ivy League school. And the reason for that is that business schools, you know, and, and no knock to anyone, but a lot of business schools have been churning out students who lack a little bit of moral and ethical values. You know, they do stuff for making money, but they're not concerned about the consequences of their actions. And that's not what we want uh, going forward. So when we're looking at our investment committee, we want to make sure that there's some Ivy League schools, some state schools, some people that have a former military background. And then we take it a step further and we do a little bit of cyber stalking. We go on their social media and we look to make sure that they're not saying or doing things that would offend or upset any of my clients. Okay, so we go from the top to bottom. It's not just about the returns. It's also about, you know, caring or doing stuff. You know, are they doing community service? Um, what are they doing out in the community? Things of that nature. So, again, the sustainability index is something you're going to want to check out. Um, Pepsi is on there. Coca-Cola, I believe, is now on there. There's a ton of companies on there. And, of course, you know, they have a they get a little bit of, a, of, of heat for um, even bringing up climate change. But we have to. I, I, I can't implored we have to talk about climate change and climate change is going to be one of the number one topics at Davos this week uh, because companies are going to have to figure out how to do two things one they're going to have to reduce their carbon footprint and two they're also have going to have to do it and remain profitable so there's going to be a lot of changes and um, BlackRock and Al Gore said you know, late last year that ESG uh, environmental, social, and governance investing is going to be the highest or the, the, you know, if you're looking for stocks or things to invest in that are going to take off, this area is set to set to jump off uh, because of climate change, because we have to do stuff. A lot of companies are going to be looking at ways to clean up the environment, and those companies are going to be the growth companies of the near future for us. So um, if you have any questions, like I said, you can always call our office, 404 633-9952, you can ask for me, and that is at uh, Greenwood Wealth Management. All right, some other numbers that we have, um, there is a an economist, well, actually he's a CFA, his name is Bob Dahl, he's with Nuveen, and um, one of the things he's been saying about um, our economy is that currently, even though we've been having all of these highs, uh, we've had the longest expansion in our country's history, investors may be looking past certain risks uh, such as corporate, uh, disappointing corporate earnings and lingering issues in the manufacturing and the trade sectors. And remember, I just talked about manufacturing and told you that the manufacturing um, uh, sector 
it has a skill set problem. Uh, there are a lot of people who don't have the skills, so they're looking at investing about $26 billion uh, to bring people up. Now, uh, the employment numbers, they move just enough, you know, just good enough just to get by. Uh, the December employment numbers were good enough for investors, so that's why the stock market looks good. But the employment numbers, uh, in my opinion, weren't that good. Um, the current expansion, again, will continue to move. Uh, Long-term job growth is slowing, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be the end of um, the current expansion. Um, and then watching for inflation risk. Now, inflation, you know, there's a couple of sectors that are going to be inflation fighters for us, and that's going to be technology and also global competition because of these trade wars that we're in. So that's going to keep, um, that's going to keep inflation down. Then, then now with the, the tensions between the United States and Iran, I guess we've reached a parlay. You know, they're not going to do anything. Hopefully we're not going to do anything, and that will keep the markets from being uh, very jumpy. When it comes to the United States trade uh, and China's trade war, it looks like the U.S. Um, is going to be the loser, and especially because the phase two of the trade agreement may not happen before the United States election. So if you're waiting for phase two, uh, if you're suffering because of the trade war, you're going to have to come up, um, you're going to have to do some digging and figure out what you can do until the phase two of this trade agreement agreement is signed into place. And again, that may not happen till later this year. And then this uh, decade-long economic expansion has been slow and could continue. But in my opinion, we're on thin ice. Um, I, I wholeheartedly disagree. Um, uh, Bob Dahl says that uh, we're not seeing imbalances in the economy, and I disagree. I've got some numbers and charts that I could share. Um, and then the other thing is, um, let's see, with the corporate earnings, corporate earnings represents a huge risk in 2020. Uh, stock prices have been rising for the last several months, uh, even as corporate earnings expectations have been falling. Um, but expectations for 2020 may still be too high. So when the market does uh, go down, uh, what happens to spending and hiring? If the market goes down or things get real volatile, uh, that's a time when people may stop um, um, offering jobs and also layoffs may come about. So when we come back on Financial Renaissance, we will have my Emma Knows Money uh, debt reduction tips when we come back. SSNATL.com. And we are back. We are back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. Are we back? <laughs> we are back. All right. I see the head nod. All right. This uh, this segment of Emma Knows Money is brought to you by Greenwood Wealth Management. And uh, what we're going to be talking today uh, about, and, you know, we've been talking about paying down debt, right? We're getting ready for the recession. It may not come this year, maybe next year, but I want people paying off debt and putting cash on hand to take advantage of opportunities that may come about when the recession hits. So here are seven debt pay off planning tools slash apps uh, that you can use. And again, I um, I have no affiliation with any of these and I haven't tested them out. Um, but the first thing is to get a free credit report and score before you even attempt to start paying down your debt or come up with your debt payoff plan. You want to have a have a, a ground zero, a base level, right? So the first step is to um, go to all three major credit bureaus, Equifax, Experian and TransUnion and get your free credit 
credit report. You can get one free each year, and you can also get that through annualcreditreport.com. Uh, you go on there and then look at and make sure that everything is right. If there's something that's wrong, you know, write it down because uh, you'll be able to. We're, we're going to be putting tools on the Emma Knows Money website so that you'll know how to dispute um, any type of um, uh, things that you see on there that, that's not right. All right, Vertex... 42, V-E-R-T-E-X 42. Uh, if you're one of those that loves using spreadsheets like myself um, for paying down debt, they offer free business budgeting and financial templates and the website's uh, debt snowball calculator is good for people who like to pay down uh, the lowest balances and things like that. So it'll show you, you know, if you put 10 bucks here, 10 bucks there, it'll kind of show you uh, the different things that you can do. So that's one of the easy ones. Another one is undebt.it. So U-N-D as in David, E-B as in boy, T dot, dot I-T. Uh, if you can't stand tracking your finances on spreadsheets, uh, this is a tool that's going to be good for you. Um, basically, Undeaded offers a robust set of tools, including the ability to choose from six different payoff plans, as well as an option to create a customized plan. Now, the basic service is free, but the website charges about $12 a year uh, for premium services. Um, it'll have like uh, bill, bill management, account reports, and things like that. And then you can sync it with other uh, budgeting softwares. And again, um, but you can do it for free. So it doesn't have, you don't have to pay money um, to, to start getting rid of your debt. Another one is unbury.me. So U-N-B as in boy, U-R-Y.me. And when it comes to simplicity, this is one of the, the easiest ones. This website uh, has a streamlined interface without the bells and whistles, and anyone can create a payment plan. Uh, there's no need to create a login or account or any of, that, uh, any of that stuff. But it's not one of the most powerful tools out there, but it is one of the easiest. And again, um, you don't have to uh, create an account, but it only gives you two approaches approaches to paying debt off. Now, another one that you may love is called Tally. T is in Tom, A-L-L-Y. Um, and that's if you want to put your uh, debt repayment plan on autopilot. Um, basically, the users will register your cards with Tally, and then the app makes automatic payments based on what it deems to be the most beneficial repayment schedule. I don't know about that one. Um, you'll want to look into it and make sure you have enough uh, to cover it. Um, but they also um, can extend you a line of credit, which we don't want to do. We're trying to pay off debt. We're not trying to uh, add more on. Okay, so Tally, it can be used for to make your debt repayment plans easy, but it's not for everyone, again, because they want to do stuff on auto pay. And you'll need a credit score of at least uh, 660 if you want to uh, get their line of credit. Now, Loan Buddy is another one. Uh, again, we're talking about paying debt down. Now, Loan Buddy is marketed to financial professionals like me, um, and it's a convenient way to analyze student loan debt. Um, I'm not going for it because they want you to pay about $60 a month. Um, but again, there are other tools that you can go after out there to help you figure out how to pay down your student loans. Um, and then Pay for Ed. This is another tool specifically for student loans, and it offers solutions for people who are planning to go to college um, so that you'll know how much you're going to have to spend on your debt when you come out of college. And I think this will scare kids um, immensely because they don't understand, uh, they don't know what they don't know. Um, now, a one-year subscription for Pay for Ed costs about $60. 
Um, and the company also has an app that will allow users to compare up to 10 colleges, review financial aid information and th stuff like that for about six bucks a year. I think that's important because you want to know, you know, which school can you send your kid to and, you know, make the absolute most money for it. So those are my seven tips uh, for paying off, um, paying down your debt. You can use these planning tools and apps. When we come back on Emma Knows Money, uh, I'll have a surprise for you. And we are back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. All right. I was told to, to give some numbers over again. All right. 37% of those receiving long-term care are underneath the age of 65. Um, the average cost per year for nursing home care is $70,000 a year. By the year 2030, that's expected to be $190,000. Um, 11 million United States adults need long-term care insurance every single year, all right? And then the number of unpaid caregivers is four point, excuse me, 43.5 million. And these are United U.S. adults ages 50 and over. So the cost, we, I, I brought up uh, Alzheimer's. Uh, right now there's 5.8 million people living with it. Uh, by 2050, that'll be 14 million. And there are 16 million Americans right now who provide unpaid care for people with Alzheimer's or dementia. And that is a loss of 234 billion dollars uh, in our economy. So again, I want to thank our guest, uh, Lisa Kaufman, um, the owner of Senior Care Options, and you can find her at Lisa K at SeniorCareOPT.com. I also want to thank my producer, Sean Prime, who gets up every Sunday morning early with me, sometimes with a smile on his face. I really appreciate him. Now, uh, coming up is going to be our Smooth Sensational Sunday and then the live exchange with uh, Dr. Pamela at 6 p.m. tonight. And don't forget, tomorrow, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you can listen to Cheryl Underwood right here on Sensation Station Network uh, from noon to 2 o'clock. But here's my thoughts to build, a, uh, build upon this week. Uh, my mantra for the day is going to be Karuna Hum, and that means I open my consciousness uh, to universal compassion. Uh, this week, I hope you all can focus your attention on the positives uh, that are emerging all around you instead of giving attention uh, to the imperfections. You know, what we focus on is what we get back. So focus on the positive things that are happening around you and in, in life and just let the negative things go. You don't have to talk about it. You don't have to breathe air into it. And then the other things I'd like us to do this week are also focus on being non-judgmental. Okay, it says that in the Bible. Don't judge. Be truest to yourself and follow your path and work in harmony with the universe. And I will see you right here next Sunday at 10 a.m. on Sensation Station Network. Thank you.